We are back, and the season rolls along to week three. Another full weekend of college football lies ahead, and we finally have some big games this weekend. We only have two segments again today, but we're kicking it off with our OG segment, Pick 6, in which we preview the six of the biggest games of the upcoming weekend. And we're going to wrap it up by talking about the most recent announcement from the Big Ten today about the upcoming college football season. Like I said, only two segments, but I promise you this is a full show. So let's go ahead and kick it off. So pick six is back. Listen, this is by far one of my favorite segments. It was the very first segment we had on the Blue Bloods, and we have a full weekend of college football, a huge weekend, and our first ranked matchup of the 2020 season in Louisville, Kentucky. Game day is going to be there. Brandon and I are going to pick the six biggest and best games of the 2020 season. We're going to break them down, make our predictions. So let's get to it, beat up, and start off with our pick for the for the Big 12 championship in the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and they're going to go ahead and take on the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. What's your pick here? What are you most looking forward to in this game? So, look, I know that we had to cover this game because Oklahoma State's playing, but, like, did we really? <laughs> because they're going to be playing against <laughs> Tulsa. Um I get it. It's you know, it's 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 in state. Is it really a rivalry? Probably. You know what? It's probably one of those games that's a big rivalry for Tulsa and then Oklahoma State's like, oh yeah, I forgot they they do exist. That's a real that's a real university in the same state that we're in. Uh, actually, a bigger city than we're in as well. But no, I mean this is going to be a massacre, right? Oklahoma State has to. I mean they they have to win this game because if they don't win this game, um, then Zach and I lose all credentials that we've ever gotten which isn't a lot, but we would lose a little bit at least. Listen, if Oklahoma State loses this game and y'all can't find the podcast Monday, just know that it's gone. It's all good. We wrapped it up. We packed up. We're headed to. We're headed somewhere else. We're going to start an NBA podcast or something. Um, you know, but the, like Brandon said, we covered this game because this was our pick for the Big 12 champion. They found, they're finally going to take the field. Chuba Hubbard, Spencer Sanders, they're ready to make a statement, ready to move on from a – what would you say, Brandon? A controversial offseason, to say the least. Um, yeah. And I think the biggest storyline this weekend is how does Spencer Sanders look, Brandon? I mean, is he going to be more consistent in the pocket, show composure under pressure? Is he going to be able to push the ball down the field without risking uh, big turnovers? These are all things that hurt Sanders, and he has to improve on these things if they are actually going to compete for a playoff spot like me and Brandon are predicting here. And, Brandon, I think an underlying storyline, I think one that – only a few people are going to be really watching is how does Tylen Wallace look after a season ending leg injury last year? That's a, not everyone always re- recovers and comes back a hundred percent, but I think he's going to be able to eat this week against the Tulsa secondary. They rank as one of the worst secondaries in the AAC, according to pro football focus. And I think Tulsa is going to be a perfect tune up for the Cowboy for the, for the Cowboys here, because they're not really great at anything, Brandon. I mean, you said this is going to be a massacre, Brandon. They rank outside the top 70 in every positional unit coming into the season. Yeah. Every one. Yeah. They look really That's- bad. 
And, and they're going, I mean, they're playing an Oklahoma State team that I think has just gotten exponentially better uh, from last season, which is saying a lot. They looked really good last season. You know what? They even looked yeah. really good last season in this matchup. You know, they, they played they played last September as well. Uh, Oklahoma State ended up winning that game forty to twenty one. You know, the spread this year is twenty. I want to say I think it's twenty three and a half points. Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, tw- twenty two and a half. Twenty two and a half. Twenty two. Now, now, where are you getting that information from, Zach? Because everyone knows that Zach loves to give us fake spreads. Okay. Okay. No, it's not fake. So I figured out my problem. So. On the little spread thing at ESPN, there's the spread, and then there's like the popular bet. There's it's like where most of the money's going, and so it's always like either just above or just below the spread. So this time, I realized that we got the correct spread here. I don't think you do because I'm looking at Odd Shark right now. We got twenty three and a half, and okay, I just well, don't trust ESPN. Hang on, talk about. I always, I, I also took notes like three, two, two and a half, three hours ago when I wrote down these spreads. So things definitely could have changed. That's that's your problem, Zach. You take notes. If you take notes, then you're not up to date. See, I'm a real <laughs> And I, I, this, I don't, you think I want to do this, Zach? You think I want to wait until last second to, to do any kind of research? Maybe. But also I'm trying to get the most up to date because I, I, up to date information because I care about our listeners. I want them I want them to be successful if they if they choose to gamble. I don't, but if they want to, if they want to gamble, then I want them to be successful. Hey, Brandon's looking out for you guys. I'm trying to give you accurate info. Brandon's trying to make you money. I'm sure you're going to pick the ladder on that one. But, you know, not everything's bad for Tulsa. We have Xavier Collins at linebacker, Jackson, uh, Jackson player on the defensive line. They're going to lead the way in trying to stop Hubbard, um, put some pressure on Spencer Sanders here. They – um. Player actually, Jackson Player actually ranked first in the entire country in run defense grade last year, Brandon, for all players. So that's pretty stout, but I don't think one defensive lineman can stop Chuba Hubbard. I think in last year, one of Chuba, Chuba Hubbard's big highlights was against Tulsa. And one of the runs he just broke open, he dominated last year. Listen, I think Oklahoma State has way too much firepower for Tulsa. I think this team's been itching to step on the field ever since, you know, this rough offseason started. And this poor Golden Hurricanes team is going to be the first victim. You know, this is the first year we've been doing scores. I've been putting in a little bit of thought here. I have Oklahoma State winning 41-10 to over Tulsa this weekend. I'll go a little bit less than that. I, I don't think that Oklahoma State covers a spread, but I don't think that they. I, I don't think that they're far off from it. I'm going Oklahoma State thirty-eight, uh, Tulsa seventeen. Not bad, not bad. I'll take it. But we're going to move on here. A game that I'm actually kind of excited to watch, and it is Syracuse at number twenty-five Pitt. And last time I looked, it could have changed the past three hours. It is a 22-point spread for Pitt right now, Brandon. So your thoughts on this game? Um, not, there's not a lot. I mean, we saw we saw both these teams play last week. Uh, we saw Syracuse go out and, in my opinion, look pretty awful. And Pitt came out. I understand they played Austin P, but they looked really good. I mean, everything was just clicking uh, for the Panthers last weekend. Um Personally, I mean, I've got Pitt in this game. I don't think that's uh, too big of a shocker for anybody. Well, I, you know what? I say that's not too big of a shocker for anybody, but now that I'm looking at the odds, uh, it looks like 59% of the money is going, uh, going on Syracuse money line, which means people think Syracuse is going to win. That's insane. Um, <laughs> an update, 
But for an updated spread, for anybody who cares, uh, th- this is going to be Pitt uh, is a 21.5-point favorite in this game. Um, you know, like I said, I'm taking Pitt in this game. I, I think that this defense is just too good for Syracuse. Um, just look out for a couple picks for Tommy DeVito. I know he sounds good on paper. Like, you see that name, Tommy DeVito, and you're like, wow, that's a <laughs> – that's a that's like a that's like a third round draft pick, but he's probably not going to be that. Uh, if anything, if, if last week was any indication uh, about how this week will pan out, then uh, I've got Pitt. And I, you know what? If there's like a prop bet where it's it's over under like one and a half interceptions, I'd go over. I, th- I think Pitt's good enough for that. Uh, I think not even Pitt. I think just all you gotta say what Paris Ford. That's the only name. You have to say in terms of why wow, that should go over. Uh, Paris Ford is that good, and yeah. you know I'm actually kind of excited to see this matchup. I don't think Pitt covers the 22 point spread, Brandon. Um, but it's not because of Syracuse's offense. You're right, Tommy DeVito, garbage. Syracuse's entire offense, put it in the garbage. But if there is a positive for Syracuse, that secondary is really good, I, and. I don't think anyone could have watched last week's game and not said that Andre Sisko and Afatu Melifanyu are good, are not good players. And yes, I cannot believe I said that name right, Brandon. I've been doing my job learning these names. But listen, the reason I'm excited to see this matchup is, Brandon, I'm still not completely sold on Kenny Pickett. I know you aren't either. I, I know that neither of us are completely sold. He had he had fun last week dominating Austin P. Over 3 he had almost 300 yards passing a touchdown. DJ Turner exploded on the scene last week as a as a wide receiver and target for Pickett. So I'm looking for him to step up, but Syracuse's secondary did not allow Sam Howell and those explosive wide receivers to go deep last week. That if Brandon, if you remember watching the game, I mean they really picked Syracuse apart on the with the run game and the short pass game, the short quick pass game. And right. I thought Syracuse's pass rush did pretty well against the UNC office fine, especially in the first half. Uh, Andre Cisco, he's becoming one of my favorite players to watch. He graded, he graded out as one of the best secondary defenders last week, according to Pro Football Focus. Even picked off uh, Sam Howell late in that uh, first half. And then, you know, I talked about Melifonu earlier. I mean, he posted a 75 coverage grade, according to PFF, and he actually was the cause. He was the one that popped the ball in the air for Howell's first interception. And so the big questions for me are, can Kenny Pickett keep the ball out of trouble? And can he continue to push the ball down the field and make big plays like he did last week? Because as not confident as I am in Syracuse, I think that defense is light years better than Austin P. You know, right. I, I don't think that's even the thing. But like well, you said, man, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I guess to add to that point, um, yeah, I mean, the Syracuse secondary is 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 good. I don't want to call them great because they're not, but I mean, they're good enough. I mean, we saw how they how they played against UNC. Zach just mentioned that. Um, the, the only thing I'm worried about for, for this Pitt team is that most of their yards came in the air last week. You know, um, I understand. You know, they, they kind of spread the ball out on the ground. I mean, but but their leading rusher had 43 yards. Uh, I get it. He had two touchdowns, but he only had 43 yards and 11 touches. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Pitt's going to have to get it done in the air, and uh, I guess this weekend we're just really going to see what Kenny Pickett's made of. Uh, the over-under on this game, I guess I'm just the gambling guy now. I don't really know. The over-under on this game <laughs> is 50, point, it's 50 points, and if you choose the over, I mean, I, I should just call the police on you because you're a crazy person. You're, I mean, you're probably a criminal. Uh, go with the under on, on this matchup. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. 
by far. I mean, it, like expanding on your point earlier, this Syracuse offense is going to have their hands full because this pit defense is terrifying to say the least. And DeVito in this offensive line better come, you know, lunches packed, bags, I mean, everything ready. I mean, Kalaja can't see defensive line absolutely dominated last week, Brandon. He posted an he graded out over 90 by Pro Football Focus last week for this pit defensive line. And Cam Bright at linebacker, Paris Ford at safety, make the back end linebacking core no easier to prepare for. And I think I, I'm, I'm ready to say this, Brandon. I, I know we know somebody who's going to be real happy to hear this. I think Ford has an argument to be arguably one of the top two, three DBs in the country. I think he's that good. Definitely. And, and I think he's going, he's a surefire first round NFL draft pick once he heads to the draft. And DeVito's got to get rid of the ball quickly because that defensive line is not going to give him much time. But if he throws an inaccurate, lazy pass, Paris Ford is literally all over the field. I, I really have a suspicion that Pitt's secondary are just 10 Paris Fords and one good defensive lineman that's rushing. That's, that's what this Pitt team is. Paris Ford is all over the place, and he will make you pay if you start to get lazy and accurate with your throws. A 22-point spread shocked me here, but I think the Pitt defense is the reason this game isn't close. Brandon, I'm going with Pitt 27-10 to 10 over Syracuse this weekend. I'm going to go with Pitt. Uh, I'm going to go 24, and they pitch a shutout. 24 nothing. Pitt. Uh, this this defense is just too good. I think they're a, I think they're miles ahead of UNC's defense, who allowed only six points against Syracuse this weekend. So yeah, I think I think Pitt can for sure pitch the shutout. Oh, you see, see, I like that though because like I really think the only reason they score, I think they get a pick six off a of picket this week. I do. I think it might be late-ish or something like that, but I think Andre Sisco and Melifani are too good, but I don't have any faith in the offense. I think they get a late field goal maybe, but yeah, you're right. That offense is horrible, but moving on to a game where offenses are a little bit better, we have Houston at Baylor. This game was scheduled, what, last Sunday? (laughs) They scheduled this game in like 12 hours once Baylor's opponent uh, could not play. But we had Baylor as a four-point favorite last time I looked. Brandon, your thoughts on this game? Because I feel like a, I think I feel like you want them to succeed, but you're a little skeptical right now. I am. I mean, everyone heard my well, not everyone. I I, I hope that you heard um, my breakdown uh, of the Big Twelve schedule, mine and Zach's. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Baylor's a little bit better than a four-point favorite over Houston. That I, shocked I me. That well, that blew my mind when I was like doing research for this game. I was like, I mean, either people are really high on Clayton Toon, the quarterback for Houston, or no one has any confidence in Dave Aranda. That's the only two things have, I could think of. Oh, you don't have confidence in Dave Aranda, but you also don't have confidence uh, in any of these Baylor players. I mean, Baylor returns a lot of talent. I understand they lost a little bit, but uh, I mean, they're returning a lot of talent this season. Um, Four points is a little bit ridiculous. And I don't even know if that's the real spread. So, Zach, I'm, four and a half points? I mean, that's not much better. Um, no, that's yeah. that, that's horrible. I mean, uh, you know you know what I really think it is, Brandon? So, I was like – I say that Clayton Toon and Dave Aranda could be possibly – but I think they finally realized the season is so unpredictable. We've seen so many teams that are better than others struggle early. So, I think they're just taking a conservative approach to setting this line for this game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I, I find that that sense so terrible because who does Houston even have? 
you know, I know people were high on Houston last season when, when they had Derek King, but uh, this season, I mean, have, uh, Clayton Toon is the starting quarterback who played. Um, I believe he, pl- he was the starting quarterback last year after King opted out. Okay. Yeah. But how, how did, I mean, not that anyone really remembers the, uh, the Houston Cougars season that well last year after, after the, <laughs> besides the talks about how they're, about how, um, uh, what's his name? What's the coach's name? I know he, Dana he West Virginia. Dana, Dana Holmes, after he was yeah. like, after he was like, Hey, sit out so we can redshirt you. No one talked about them for the rest of the season because they were, they were awful. So I don't know. I, I mean, it's not like this, uh, this Baylor offense. I mean, that's not what they're known for. They're known for their defense, and Dave Aranda is obviously one of the best defensive minds in college football. Um, I don't know. Four and a half seems a little bit disrespectful, in my opinion. And I think the Baylor Absolutely. does way better than that. You know, I, this Baylor defense is good, and I, especially the secondary. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't do a whole lot of research on on Houston's quarterback, but I um, mean, what I did. Of, I got you. Okay. I got you. That was my big takeaway. This is going to be a feeding frenzy for this Baylor defense. Toon, the starting quarterback for Baylor, ranked 120th last year in turnover-worthy play rate last season. But what kind and, of quarterback is he? Is he, is he, I mean, is he a pocket it, it, passer? Is he um, or what? He's, he, he's kind of like a less athletic De'Ari King and a way, okay. way less accurate De'Ari King. Okay, so he's just going to throw a million interceptions against yes. some of the best, some of the one of the best secondaries in college football. Okay, A- absolutely. I mean, Terrell Bernard, Riley Texaco, Kalen Barnes. We've talked, uh, Brandon. We've had we could have an entire episode that we could probably cut up based on all the you know stuff we've broken down with these three players. They're gonna it's gonna be brutal with these guys on the back end. And you know, Brandon, I think the biggest thing I cannot believe no one's talking about this. And I'm going to watch game day Saturday. And if I don't hear someone say this. I'm going to lose my mind. How do you not trust Dave Aranda to put a, a, a young but athletic defense into the right scheme and the right position to pressure tune and make him make bad decisions with the ball when you already know that's what he's prone to do? You, you're, you're telling me you don't trust Dave Aranda to absolutely eat up a quarterback that is not accurate, that makes bad decisions with the ball, and that does not have a lot of starting experience? I think Dave Aranda and Brent, Brent Venables are the two best defensive coordinators in the country with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's look. I mean, even let's look away at the, uh, from the defense for just one second and remember that Charlie Brewer is still on this Baylor team. Um, yep. I don't know. I, I don't know. And, uh, and, they, and they have Ty, and they have Tyquan Thornton, who was the second leading receiver right behind Denzel Mims, Mims last year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not that I think Baylor's going to be the best team in the Big 12. I don't even think they're top three. Zach would beg to differ, obviously. But I don't know. It, it They're not going to lose to Houston. It's not even going to be a close no. game with Houston. No. And, Brandon, I, this is going to – this is probably going to shock you. Only one defensive back for Houston has played over 200 snaps and has produced a positive WAA score, which is wins above average replacement. Yeah, no, I mean, it's ridiculous. They rank 126th in the entire country in terms of secondary production returning. So Charlie Brewer in this offense is going to eat. This defense is going to eat. And listen, I think the biggest thing for me, I have much more faith in Dave Aranda than I do in Dana Holgerson because if if your team already quit on you in year one, 
have no faith you're going to get it together in a, a year two. And the whole reason I have Baylor so high is I think Aranda's going to shock a lot of people this season. I think absolutely think I have them rank third right now. But if Baylor gets to the Big 12 championship, not one single part of me will be shocked. I think they're better than Texas. I think they're better. They're definitely better than Kansas State and Iowa State. We we know that. And yeah. um, I think I think these teams will start sloppy, Brandon. So I wouldn't be surprised if this game was tied at halftime or Baylor might be down by three. But I think they have too much on each side of the ball. I don't think Holgerson will have his team ready to play. I have Baylor pulling away late 31-13 to 13 over Houston. Yeah, that's a good score. That's actually very close to the score I had in mind. I'm going to go with Baylor uh, 28, and they, they hmm, let's see. Houston might score one touchdown. Let's go 10. Let's go 28 to 10. I like it. I like it. But, guys, moving on to a t- another, another team. Well, another two teams I have a lot of opinions on. We have – uh, South Florida at number seven, Notre Dame. Last time I looked, Notre Dame was a 26-point favorite. And listen, Brandon, I'm going to start this one off because I have a quick you know, aside here. Will I ever pick South Florida again? Just a spoiler? No. Absolutely not. Because in case you weren't around, on our very first episode, I, I decided to be a man. I picked USF to upset Wisconsin last year. They got beat like 63 to nothing. Yeah. So I am not I am not gonna do that again. So now go ahead, Brandon, break this one down for us. I mean, it's just free money if you if you take my picks because I could have told you I as a matter of fact, I did tell you that USF were, were frauds last season. And guess what they are this season? Also frauds. frauds. Yeah, bigger frauds, really. And they're playing against Notre Dame. Is twenty six points enough for this game, Zach? Um I know I just uh, spent the last. I know I just spent the last segment just repeating the word disrespectful. Uh, I might do the same thing here because twenty six is a lot, but uh, I mean they might deserve, they might actually deserve that spread. You know, South Florida's bad. They're really, really, <laughs> really, 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 really bad. Um, and Notre Dame is uh, well. There's no reallys here. They're just good. Um, and- I, I don't know. I, I, really, you don't think they're good? Man, I am not super confident in Notre Dame. If we repick the ACC this year, I, I would have no problem putting Louisville above them too. You don't. You don't have to be super confident. You just have to think that they're good. You don't think they're, they're good. Right. I think they're. I think they're all right. Especially exactly. after losing Kyle Hamilton to injury, I think that defense oh, yeah. that was a huge loss. And they have other little. They have other players banged up that may or may not be available this weekend. I already said I'm not picking USF, so that's not where I'm going with this. I'm just saying down the road, I am not confident in Notre Dame's ability to compete for the ACC. I mean, Ian Book's inconsistency and a lack of explosive play, huge problems. I think he, with the talent around him, he should be so much better. He just he is reminding me of Jake Fromm right now. I mean, which, which Jake Fromm are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about Jake Fromm last year. With all the talent in the world and could not finish. And, you know, like I said, Hamilton's hurt a handful of injuries for the Fighting Irish. And I I just, I'm not super confident in Notre Dame in terms of anything. And if we redid our ACC predictions, I have no doubt that I would at least put Louisville ahead of them. And I think I haven't seen Virginia Tech play, but I would, if right now, if we were picking Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, I'd pick Virginia Tech to beat Notre Dame. Wow. I mean, that's. 
Just a bad take, and I'm going to hold you to that, Zach. So when we pick that's that fine. game, remind you can, me. You, you can hold it. But I already said I, I haven't seen Virginia Tech play, but right now I have a feeling they're going to be better. They're going to be more consistent. I, I mean, until I, I see Ian Book, until I see Ian Book win a game, I have no, I have no confidence in him winning the biggest games on their schedule. I mean, that Clemson game is going to be brutal for this Notre Dame team if they don't get it together. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I think we always knew that one was going to be brutal, but yeah. I mean, and listen, I mean, USF, okay, their offense is where I really don't like them, but their defense isn't terrible. They're really athletic. They have playmaking ability. They have actually, Brandon, a top 40 defense in the country. And it's led it's led by UNC transfer KJ Sales at cornerback, Nick Roberts at safety, Mike Campton at CB. I mean, Brandon Sales ranked third in the ACC in coverage grade, and Roberts can play is a lot like Javon Holland. He can play any spot in the secondary. And then Hampton, 2018, last year he was a little banged up, didn't play very well, but he ranked fifth in the entire country in incompletion rate in 2018. So. I think these three guys are going to be elite on the back end, and he's they're going to make Ian Book play a good game. And I think that the run game for Notre Dame is going to be a real factor, which is why they pull away. That offensive line is too good. I don't think the defensive line for USS very good, but Brandon, that that they they have the worst wide receiver unit ranking in the entire country. Yeah, do they really? Yes, USF last week. Their top wide receiver had three catches for 36 yards. That's insane. I mean, uh, how bad do you have to be for that to be your leading receiver? Uh, I mean, really bad. I mean, and Brandon, they played the Citadel. That's crazy. Uh, that should, the I, don't Citadel, know, I don't even know what to say. The Citadel, guys. And, you know, they have a hundred, they're have ranked 104th in offensive rating. Kelly Joyner's okay at running back. He's decent, but I don't think he's going to be able to create as much as he did last week where he, where he averaged 10 yards a rush against this Notre Dame front seven. Listen, Notre Dame and Ian Book are going to be tested a little bit, but I don't think USF can score enough to keep it competitive. So I have Notre Dame 52-17, to 17, but those losses are coming <laughs> because I don't trust them down the road. That was you built that up way too much for. Well, already said like bro, bro, USF is trash. If they were playing anybody else, if they were playing an ACC team, no confidence in Notre Dame. Fair, okay. Well, fifty-two. That's insane. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with forty-two uh, to three. I don't. I don't think. I just don't Ooh, believe that's that USF. Tough. I I don't believe that they have an offense. I I honestly do not know if they have a quarterback on this team. Like, oh, like not not that I, I don't mean like a good quarterback. I, I just mean like I don't know if they actually have a quarterback. I don't know anything. I don't know the first thing about South Florida. So, yeah, uh, they, you said they <laughs> have the worst wide receiving core in the nation. They do. I'll believe you. I believe you. Uh, they, they score three points. There, there's one uh, <laughs> decent player on the team. It's the kicker. Hopefully, right? I mean, watch, they're going to have Alabama's transfer kicker. He's going to doink it off the right upright. It's going to be a whole thing. Yeah. But, guys, let's move on to – I think it's going to be the second-best game of the entire weekend, and I know that sounds yeah, you're crazy. absolutely insane. We got number 14, UCF, Central Florida, at Georgia Tech, and UCF is only a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. And, Brandon, you know, 
this might this may sound crazy, but I am clearing my schedule for this game because I actually think it's going to be a really good game. Do you? Yes. You okay. Think- listen, 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 listen. Georgia Tech's going to have all the momentum in the entire world going their way. They won an ACC game for the first time in two years, and they have UCF coming in to their home stadium. UCF is looking to start a new streak, make a comeback for the AAC title, but Georgia Tech is riding high. And listen, they prove they have proven me to be a liar about their potential, and I'm ready to accept my fate for Georgia Tech in this 2020 season. See, Zach, this is going to be – I mean, this is just – you're you're gonna get your heart broken. That's I'm sad for you because you're gonna have another I, USF Wisconsin moment in this game because there's no I, chance I, I, Georgia Tech. Wins. I, haven't, I haven't even picked my thing. I just said it was gonna be close. I didn't say Georgia Tech was gonna win. I just said they're gonna be more no. competitive than people would think. Zach, I don't know. I think you have to choose Georgia Tech now. I mean, I'm not. Oh. Look, I'm not saying I'm not saying we have to fix the podcast, but. I think we got to fix this game. I think you got to. I think you got to fix okay. it. <laughs> okay, listen. I'm not gonna lie here. I have two. I have like. I have a a score prediction written down. It's a one score game. I I have it blank. I still don't know who I want to pick because I really, really, really want to pick Georgia Tech. I, I mean, really, really do. For anyone who's worried that he might not, I'm gonna talk him into it. <laughs> it's gonna be the best. <laughs> it's like this is like you with your LSU Alabama pick last year. Like you, you, you had it blank until the second you picked it. I did, and I because you well, didn't want to jinx them. I, I didn't want to jinx them, and I, I didn't jinx them, but I did choose them. So that's you know, I guess I'm not. I'm guess I'm not. Uh, I'm not a heel. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a mush. You're not a mush. <laughs> you, you know, I feel like we need to spice up our picks, man. We've been matching a lot. Um, well, we haven't had any, be- like, really, really good games yet, Zach. I mean, sorry to South Alabama and, Tul- and Tulane if you think that that <laughs> was a really, really good game. Sorry to anyone who's a fan of those two programs. Um, I don't know. We just haven't had, like, a great game yet, Zach. We haven't had – I mean, and we're getting to it. I think I think this last game that we're picking after this one is going to be one that we might differ on. It's a really good game. But up to now, what what great game have we had? That's true. I mean, hey, Navy-BYU was pretty good. I mean, yeah, we picked W on that one. Yeah, but okay. But listen, that wasn't I mean, even a pick I, six, Zach. It was not a pick six. <laughs> but listen, I'm a Jeff Sims believer now. I think he's going to be a huge part of this Georgia Tech turnaround in the future. I mean, 270 yards passing last week, a touchdown, was the leading rusher with 64 rushing yards. I need to see Jordan Mason at running back help him out a bit. I'm looking for Malachi Carter, Jalen Camp to do more at the wide receiver position because UCF has a actually a really good defense. And I, I I need to see a little bit more. And UCF is looking to start the season with another upset of, of a Power 5 team in Atlanta. The Auburn beatdown in 2017 is still fresh, and at least in my brain, I have nightmares about it every night. Um, but, like, Brandon, you know, I think we're both excited about this guy. Dylan Gabriel's back. Uh, he's ready to build on an outstanding season. I mean, Brent, he ranked fourth in the entire country in turnover-worthy play rates at 1.6%. But on the flip side, ranked first in 30 plus yard big time throws. So he was taking risks, throwing it down the field, but keeping it out of trouble. Zach, Zach wants to talk about Sam Howell all the time. I'm gonna I'm gonna start talking about this kid all the time because they had very similar stats last season. Zach Dylan Gabriel, the blasphemy, the blasphemy. What? 
Okay, go pull the up Sam Howell's stats right now. Me. Go pull up his no, stats. Uh, right no, no, no I get it. You. But, okay, uh, no, 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 no. This, Sam Howell played ACC teams, was one point away from knocking off Clemson. UCF lost to Pitt. Pitt's an ACC team. And yeah, okay, so, and, but then, and UNC lost to Pitt too. Ah, uh, whatever. It's all good. It's all good. Just go ahead. Talk Gil- Dylan Gabriel. Talk Dylan Gabriel. I know you want to. See, He's I not should, on Sam Howell's level. Up. This is this is what happens when I when I prove a point to Zach. So, <laughs> congrats. It, it happens. Idiot. It happens. It happens once every blue moon, guys. It was bound to happen. Moron. What an idiot. Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> Had 3,653 yards passing last season, 29 touchdowns and only seven interceptions. I mean, that is eerily similar to Sam Howell's stats. I don't remember Sam yeah, Howell's okay. stats he, like, like no, like by memory because I know that you do. So let, let's hear. I mean, uh, do you have any stats for Sam Howell? I know they're in your notes if if you don't have them <laughs> off the top of your head because I mean, you love this kid. I, you probably have them. I do. You probably have them printed out and, and posted on your I, wall. Like you okay. have I almost, I almost made us cover North Carolina and um, I forgot who they're playing. I think it's like the Citadel this week or something. I like we I almost covered that game. But okay, Sam Howell had three. No, 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 no. Oh, oh goodness. Yeah, thirty six hundred yards passing, thirty eight touchdowns, and seven interceptions. So, so, so you're telling me that Dylan Gabriel had more yards passing, only like twelve more yards passing. He had a few less, a few less touchdowns, but we don't, we don't have to talk about that very much. And he had the same amount of interceptions, is what was what I'm hearing. Yeah, but touchdowns count more than pass yards. Okay, well. <laughs> Zach, <laughs> uh, well, what what was what was uh, what was UNC's final record last year? Let's talk about records. It's like eight and five, I think, if I remember right. Eight and five. Yeah, there's eight, eight and five. I don't really yeah. know why I brought that up because I don't know UCF's final record last season. But so you are really <laughs> not on point today, bro. Okay, you ten are, and three. They were ten and three slacking. last season. Ten and, ten okay. and three last season in the AAC. And Zach, you're the first one to say the AAC. I'm pretty sure on this podcast you said the AAC should be in the Power Five over the ACC. I'm pretty sure that was you. No, oh, no, no, no. The Pac-12. The Pac-12. Okay, but still, I mean, you're acting like they're you're acting like the ACC is miles and miles ahead of the AAC in terms of performance. I mean, come on, you can't. I mean, you can't. How are we going to do this? We can't keep doing this. Uh, it's fine. I mean, no, I get it. I mean, listen, uh, you know, I, I still think Sam Howell's a better quarterback than Dylan Gabriel, but Dylan Gabriel, I mean, was really good last year, and uh, so was Sam Howell. But I don't, I just don't think I think I still think Sam Howell's a better quarterback. I mean, can you watch the film and tell me Dylan Gabriel's a better quarterback than Sam Howell? I never, I never claimed that he was. I'm just saying that that you didn't talk about him at all. We're not compare. We should not be comparing these two. But I had to compare it. To make a point, so, uh, so I, you, did I think catch, you did catch me off guard with the whole UNC losing a pit in overtime. I, I it caught me completely off guard on that one. Yeah, people forget that it happened. So yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like we've been on this game for way longer than we should be. Uh, 
Uh, it's all good. I mean, you, you listen, guys, UCF ranks top 30 in the country for every positional unit except wide receivers and offensive line. But they did have 15 players that opted out, which included two starters and Tay uh, Gawin and Kalia Davis, who are huge losses for the defense. And Brandon, there's plenty of storylines to follow. Jeff Collins was a former UCF assistant before he moved on to be um, working his way to a head coach. And UCF is going for their 36th win in the past 40 games, Brandon. That's out outrageous and oh, yeah. Brandon did you know this Georgia Tech's 3-0 against UCF so can the really? Black Knights oh. beat the Yellow Jackets for the first time ever all three wins have come in Bobby Dodd Stadium in Atlanta yeah see the thing is the thing that people don't realize is that UCF wasn't good until like 2016 before that they were like 0-12 every year so I yeah. mean, that, that doesn't mean That's anything true. to me so, Zach, mm. I'm going to go ahead and give you my pick. I don't have anything else to say about this one. Um, I think UCF comes out and they win this game pretty big. I think. I mean, I know you said it's going to be a one-score game. I think it's UCF 42, uh, Georgia Tech 21. Uh, that's, that's, that's decent. But listen – I, I, you know, I, I, I have an idea of who I'm going to pick. It's not going to be Georgia Tech. I know Brandon Aww, wanted it more than anything. And listen, I do, but I do think Dylan Gabriel is going to be too much Shoot. for this Georgia Tech secondary. Um, Jeff Sims probably won't be able to keep up in that regard, but I have it way closer. Brandon, I have this game being 27 to 24 UCF. I'm, a field goal? You're only going with a field goal here. Yeah, just a single field goal. I think it's going to be close. I think UCF's going to come out slow, rusty. They're they're playing their first game. Georgia Tech just came off an emotional win. They're in shape. They're ready to go. They got all the momentum. So I think it's going to be a lot closer because of that. If this was UCF's second game, Georgia Tech's first game, or both their second games, I think I think your score would be much more in tune of how good these teams really are. I don't know. I think I think this is just a case of our dumb brains letting us. Uh, tricking us into thinking that Georgia Tech might be good because they beat Florida State, who's a pretty bad team. That's true. That's true. But, guys, we're going to stick in the ACC here. we got one more game. We have number 17, Miami, at number 18, Louisville. Louisville's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And, Brandon, I want to start with this. Am I the only one that was shocked that Miami was higher ranked than Louisville? Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm still in shock. I still don't even know what to say about that. Uh, I mean, Louisville, dating back to last year, Brandon, their last five games, Louisville's 4-1 and one with two wins over SEC teams. Miami is 3-2 and two with losses to Louisiana Tech, Duke, and Florida International. No, that should not be allowed. I mean, and Miami was 6-7, and seven, lost their best defensive player in Gregory Rousseau, lost their starting running back in DJ Dallas, and yes, they upgraded the quarterback position, but an upgrade from what they had last year was not very high. While Louisville was 8-5 and five and returned probably arguably all the, what, their top five players? Maybe even you could say top eight? Yeah. I mean, it's just... 
I don't know, man. And you know, last week Miami coming over, coming off of a win over UAB, it was Derek De- King's debut. Brandon, we both gave him a B plus in his performance, but I still need to see a bit more through the air. Uh, you know, he did only have 144 yards passing, two total touchdowns, but I want to see him push the ball down the field. I want to see him get some of these young receivers. I need to see him build that confidence for them early and often this week. And if they don't, I think Miami could get massacred in this game. I don't know, man, because they're really, I mean, it, it's crazy that, you know, we talked about them losing DJ Dallas. And then last week, they, they, they still had uh, what? How many? How many yards rushing do they have? They had three hundred thirty-seven. Oh, yeah, and Cameron Harris had one hundred and thirty-four and two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean that's insane. So they're definitely going to get it done on the ground. I, I mean, I'd love to see him get it done in the air, but on the I mean, the ground attack is lethal. Yeah, and I, but I think the thing is Louisville's defense is going to be so much better than UAB. So this is going to be the first real challenge for Harris, King, and this entire Miami Hurricanes offense. And Rhett Lashley is going to have to put a lot more work in to get the win this week than they did last week. And on the flip side, Brandon, I mean, Louisville didn't look spectacular last week against Western Kentucky. I'm not going to lie there. Um, you could tell they were rusty, but... You could tell in the second half they started to get it to get it to click and two two Atwell last week impressive showing seven catches for seventy eight yards but Brandon the big story last week is we've talked about all the weapons that this Louisville offense has well Braden Smith and Des Fitzpatrick broke out last week and put on an outstanding performance they've combined for eight catches for two hundred and twenty yards and a touchdown Brandon and these were just the wide receiver two and threes on this offense so. You're telling me they can go three deep at wide receiver. You have JV and Hawkins at running back, and they have Mikel Cunningham at quarterback. That is a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of firepower for this Louisville offense. Right. I don't know, man. This game's so tough for me to pick. So Louisville, Louisville is a uh, two and a half point favorite in this game. But man, that, that's like the worst spread, by the way. Two and a half points. How do you, if you lose by less than two and a half? I mean good on you but that's tough to do right yeah and i mean that's it's almost like they wanted it to be a pick em game but they wanted to make money off of it <laughs> we got they said there is a chance that it's a one point game that happens sometimes so um and somebody's just dumb enough to choose uh <laughs> someone's just dumb enough um to to go with that go go um pick that one that one point win so and that that's probably going to be me I, I, it's I gonna be you. It's, it's probably gonna be me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, but, but look, Mikel Cunningham last week not really spectacular, but the offense was vanilla, just like we kind of saw with Derek King. I mean, he got a sixty-one grade for PFF, which is not super impressive. He had over three hundred and forty yards passing and three touchdowns, though. But Brandon, the matchup I want to see is this Louisville front seven against Derek King and this Miami offensive line. Right. Um. This is two weaknesses going up against each other. My, Louisville's pass rush, 106 to start the season. But Miami's offensive line, 108th to start the season. So last week, Brandon, against two lower-ranked teams, Louisville only had two players in their front seven that graded over 70 from Pro, Pro Football Focus, while Miami had two O-linemen that graded out over 80 in pass blocking, but only one that graded over a 70 in run blocking. That's so. Neither team has a lot of players up front that do a lot of great things. And 
the question is for me, Brandon, and this is going to determine who wins it, is can Louisville make King uncomfortable in the pocket? Will they be able to stop Cameron Harris and put the game on King's back? And then can De'Aaron King make enough plays with his legs to set up the pass game down the field against a really good Louisville secondary? Um, and I think that all boils down to who's the better quarterback and who has better skill players. I think Cunningham is the better quarterback of the two. I think Louisville has way, way, way better skill players in every aspect of whatever side of the ball you want to talk about. And I also have much more confidence in Louisville's defensive line than I do in Miami's offensive line. So I think that's going to be a big storyline. I have Louisville here, Brandon, 34-24 to 24 over the Miami Hurricanes. Oh, you think it's a 10-point game. Oh, man, this is so tough. Um I, and I know that in my ACC predictions, I have Louisville. I have Louisville ranked you have so high. Third, you have third, I have bro. So high. I'm going to go with Miami in this game. I'm going to spice things mm. up, Zach. I'm going mm. with Miami. I think Miami wins this game. Uh, let's go 34-31. I think it's a close game. Ooh, um, boy, man, I I want to see Derek King do it. I, I mean, I'm rooting for fun here, and I'm I'm going with my gut. I, I think that Miami can pull this one off. I think Louisville is a good team, and I think they're going to get it done down the road. But I think they lose this. Uh, I think they lose this week two matchup. I, oh, I just man. think this this ground game is is too good from what I saw last week, and and that's not even what we thought was going to be good out of Miami. What we thought was going to be good was, was Derek King, and, and yeah, I mean, I know they looked very vanilla last week, Zach. But they, you think they really unveiled everything a week before they played Louisville? I don't think so. Not uh, a chance. Miami is going to come out and and they're going to edge this game out for sure. Boo! But Lock okay, hey, I'll, t- I'll I'll t- I'll take the lead and pick six. I'm cool with that. So good deal there. Um, you know, we're going to end this episode with a shorter segment, not a what was it a 45 minute segment on picking games, but we had a huge announcement that was leaked yesterday on Tuesday, but was made official today on Wednesday. The Big Ten finally announced they will reverse their decision on a fall 2020 college football season and play. Um, they're going to play. <laughs> Brandon's excited. I'm excited. I know you're excited. Um, they're going to play an eight plus one schedule, which will include eight straight conference regular season games. And then on championship week, we're going to have the normal Big Ten championship game of the top ranked teams in each division, but each team will play the other team in the div- in the other division that finished in the same position. This means that two will play two, three will play three, four will play four, et cetera, all the way down through the Big Ten. So, Brandon, your take on this plan, and are you giving Kevin Warren a pass now? Uh, no, he he. I will never forgive him for what he's done. Uh, the only reason that that they're playing is because the public was like, "Hey." You gotta, you gotta play. Everyone else is playing except for the Pac-12, and who cares about them? So, uh, dude, I'm so glad that we have football back, like actual football back. The only thing we won't have this season is Pac-12 after dark, but I, in my heart, I'll find a way to replace that. I guess we also don't have Maction, which is kind of a bummer, but uh, we do have Big Ten football, and you know what's even more important than that, Zach, is that this season is going to continue. I, I believe championship. Uh, weekend is going to be December nineteenth. Uh, yeah, Big Ten, it is. If I'm not mistaken. You know how many yep. snow games we're going to get out of the Big Ten this year? Every single game will be a snow game, That's unless it's saying. in Nebraska. Oh well, <laughs> fair. Um, 
I don't know, man. I, I could not be more excited. I'm so glad they – now, they are starting a little bit later than I would have hoped. I was kind of hoping for, like, October uh, 10th kickoff, like like we'd seen out of uh, Twitter user Sir Yacht. Um, <laughs> Zach, have you seen this guy on Twitter? He's just, yes. he's just, he's just putting things out there. Like, he, does, he has no information. He's like if I decided to be an insider one day and just started tweeting things out that he hopes would happen. Uh, so yeah, I mean we're 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 getting football. What, what, so when's kickoff? I'm sorry, I know it's October. It's October twenty fourth. October twenty fourth. I'm so excited. So we have a little bit over a month for Big Ten football. That's fine. Yes. I'll, I'll 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 make do with without the Big Ten, and I can just focus on SEC football for a, for a full month before that. That's fine by me. Um, I don't know, man. I I I've been rooting for football, and we're getting football, so I feel like I won. You did win. You did win. And listen, this analogy came to me as soon as I saw the announcement where the Big Ten, they came running back home like the five-year-old who tried to run away. He made a big decision. It was it was too much for them to make that decision. And now he's knocking on the door, hoping his parents let him back in. Kevin Warren was that five-year-old. He avoided all and any questions and avoided all accountability for his Horrible premature decision, and more on him later. But, Brandon, each game is going to be played on campus without fans, and only parents and and close family of players and coaches are going to be allowed in the stadium. I'm fine with this, but I would have liked to see 10 to 15%. I mean, make it super low, but at least let some people in. But, you know, I'm willing to make a sacrifice. I even said on the podcast, if it was no fans allowed, that's fine. I just want college football. And – I don't know how you feel, Brian. I mean, even the games last week, the fans really didn't play that that much of a a thing for me, right? I mean, did no. it? I don't think it took away from the quality of the play. I don't think it took away quality of the broadcast. I, th- I thought it was still perfectly fine. It was college football, and I and I watched games from eleven a.m. when they kicked off all the way until the last game where we saw Coastal Carolina decimate Kansas. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. Um, man, uh, I don't know. I don't think the fans play a huge factor unless you're in an environment like, like Death Valley or the Swamp. And and even then, I mean, they play a factor, but come on. I mean, you just have to be glad that we have football. Uh, and and I don't think that it's going to make a big difference for, for Maryland not having fans. It, you know, I guess Ohio State or Michigan could be teams that would suffer from not having fans, but I don't think it's going to be like a big deal. Uh, I really don't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we, we, we saw the quality of football that we thought we would see this past weekend. I think we're going to continue to see that. Absolutely. And you guys, remember a few episodes ago when I talked about that new rapid testing feature being rolled out? Well, guess what? The Big Ten cited new testing as the main reason that the stance has changed. So, you know, I feel like I was on the cutting edge of that, Brandon. And I think it's the <laughs> right thing for the Big Ten to do. I mean, players, coaches, fans deserve to see their teams play football this fall. And how do you tell your players to sit back and watch the ACC, the Big 12, the SEC play week after week and go possibly win a national title while your kids are sitting at home. That's brutal. I think recruiting played a big part of this. And Brandon, to wrap up this episode, I know anybody who has been listening with us throughout this offseason, throughout all this craziness, and we're, we seem to be almost through it, but this is the last time we're going to mention his name on this podcast, and that's Mr. Kevin Warren, Mr. Big Ten Commissioner. And Brandon, I listened to his interview today on the Big Ten Network. And listen, I am even less impressed with him. And I want him fired immediately. Brandon, listen to this. 
Um, he's going to hold the Big Ten back year after year. I mean, he was asked about his lack of communication with parents, and this is what he had to say, Brandon. He said, from a communication standpoint, what I tried to do personally and what we tried to do collectively is to make sure that we had things to communicate and that we did communicate. Really, Brandon? Yeah. What did they communicate? Not once. Not a a single thing? Not not one single thing? I guess they communicated that they wouldn't be playing, but that was like the only thing. They, they didn't tell us why. They were just like, all right, we're not playing. And we're like, okay, right? so. I, I mean, I have a list of four things that have been great. Uh, can you give us the data that the decision was based on? Not the false report out of a Michigan research guy who just lost all credibility in research because he published a false study. How about the plans to take care of the players when you eventually did return? How about the plan for this uh, supposed 2021 spring season that you were going to put on? And can you give us reasons why the protocols that were already in place were not enough to protect the players like they were in the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12? Um, and Brandon, this is, this is what makes me so mad. He continues and says, a lot of the criticism that has been displayed over the past couple months, I take it as that we're just passionate in the Big 10 that we have passionate student athletes, that we have passionate families, and that we have passionate fans. But did he show one ounce of care, empathy, or anything for these passionate, quote-unquote, athletes, fans, or families? I mean, Brandon, wasn't there a whole lawsuit from these families that he are calling passionate because they felt so silenced that they planned to march to the Big Ten headquarters to make a statement? Yeah, I mean, if I recall correctly, yes. Oh, man, you know, just this is I'm going to end it fairly right right here because I don't want to go too far. But Brandon, this isn't just passionate individuals being blinded by their passion for the game. I mean, it, it was individuals in power putting their bottom line in terms of money, their ego and perception in front of these people that they're just, you know, passing off as passionate. He doesn't deserve the job of the Big Ten commissioner. Um I don't, I don't, and you know, the big thing, Brandon, I don't know how much you pay attention to Twitter. I am so tired of these very same experts, quote unquote experts, who crucified him. They changed their tune all of a sudden because it all worked out. But yes, it might have just happened to work out in the long run, but the SEC, ACC, Big 12 took all these bullets, aka criticism, for continuing on believing that in their universities, players, and coaches and their protocols. They took criticism from everybody. You had Max Kellerman sitting up on first take calling people from the South idiots and subject to false news. And you had all these people saying that they were putting kids in danger and that they should be held accountable and this and that. So why does the Big Ten just get to stroll up after 95% of the hard work was done and say, ha, yeah, you see, we just wanted to wait until to make sure it was okay, but we're going to let all these other people take all the criticism and we're just going to stroll up behind them. I mean, uh, you know, Brandon, I really want, I really want to put this in our Twitter bio. It is hashtag fire Kevin Warren. It's, it's that season. It's in full effect. And this is a hill that I will argue with anyone any time about this is the hill I'm going to die on. And listen, we're going to end this episode with hashtag fire Kevin Warren. If you listen, just go put it out there. Cause we need to get this dude fire. Cause this was ridiculous. But Brandon, we're going to wrap up this episode here, man, guys, we have a, we have big announcements. I really want to tell y'all I've asked Brandon, so I'm not going to say anything, but we have big announcements coming for next Saturday. Um, I cannot wait. It'll probably be on the Monday episode. So tune in to hear that. Uh, check us out on our website, thebluebloodspod.com. 
you can find links to all our episodes we submitted to Amazon today. So we'll let y'all know when we're approved on that front. We have articles coming. Guys, I have plans. I'm going to write top performing articles, winners and losers articles. We have more articles coming on the way. We've been slacking on that, but we're going to get that fixed for y'all. Again, episodes every week. SEC and now, I guess, Big Ten Preview are coming soon. Update you guys on that Monday. Um, you can find us on Instagram at the underscore Blue Bloods, Twitter at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods, Facebook at the Blue Bloods Pod. You can also find us at the Worst Take Network net. Um, as you guys remember, we joined the Worst Take Network, so go find them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, we appreciate all you guys listening. Keep subscribing, rating, listening to the podcast, man. You guys make this worth it. This has been over a year. Cannot believe we're in our second season of the Blue Bloods. Um, but yeah, we appreciate all of y'all. We're going to keep dropping episodes for y'all, but for right now, we out. <laughs>